0: Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week to week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. what's going on?
1: What's going on, man? How are you doing, man?
0: I'm doing pretty good, man. It's a rather overcast day here in Southern California as we record this on Saturday, March 23rd. It's about a day earlier than we would normally record our episodes, but uh, I'm going to be out of pocket all next week just to give our listeners a heads up. For the episode that's going to come out, what is a week from the 27th, uh, Verge? Is that April is I that know. april uh, you caught me. uh well i'm, I'm, I'm not usually know.
1: that flat-footed man yeah. <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> Let's see. that's that's still, that's still that's still that's still march 31st man
0: yeah that's still yeah that's wow yeah that is that's right that's march yeah. 31st so yeah so yeah so for that episode when uh when the uh episode of just thinking drops on march 31st that'll be you going solo right because i'll be up out of pocket the entire week of of um March twenty fifth at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Oh, that's gonna be nice. Yeah, here in Anaheim, California is uh, part of the Grace to You team that's going down there for that. So I will not have time to prepare for that episode. So you'll be going solo. Oh,
1: I'm excited, man. We'll get a little dose of the of, of the Elect Standard version on that on that broadcast, <laughs> man. So ele, the Elect Standard will make a little comeback, man. So that'll be that'll be good, man. We'll, we'll make us well, some ground.
0: I think I can afford, you know, the non-Armenian standard Bible team on this side. We can afford to give you (laughs) one out of 52 episodes. Read from the elect standard version. We can give up one of our 52 yearly episodes.
1: All All right. All right. We we hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to really dive into scripture then, man, on that episode, man. We have I have to go all in to make up for lost time. So
0: yeah, all the all the episode notes we'll send to Dwayne. All the scripture texts will be from the ESV for once.
1: Right, 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 right. We'll make, <laughs> we'll make it work. We'll definitely make it work.
0: Well, you know what? Speaking of, uh, you know, uh, one out of 52 yearly episodes, I thought it would be good because I think we're at a point here as we record this episode of the Just Thinking broadcast. You know, immediately following our release of our previously uh, recorded episode on uh, slavery reparations, Mm -hmm. which by God's grace uh, has been very well received. We appreciate Mm it. Uh, everyone taking the time to uh, listen to the episode, which was close to two hours. Was, yeah. uh, what, what I what I call that's a two bottle water episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> normally, normally I have one as as I have in my uh, trusty right hand as I speak. Yeah, yeah. I usually have, normally have one bottle of water to get me through the episode to you know intermittently take a sip of water to to to, to stay uh, hydrated and and make sure my throat doesn't get too. Irritated, but the episode we did on reparations, man, that took two bottles of water. That was a two bottle. That was a that was a two bottle water episode. That was a two bottle water episode. I I, I
1: actually had to do the same, and I had I had to I had my daughter. She went to the store and grabbed me, grabbed me two. I usually do some some smart water. Not that not that they're sponsoring
0: us in any way. I wish they were, but yeah, we uh, don't have sponsors. (laughs) Man, we don't have sponsors. What are you talking about sponsors? Right, right, right,
1: (laughs) right, right. So, but yeah, that was that was two bottles for me, man. I had to I had to make that work.
0: Yeah, so, uh, but but on that note, you know, um, um, I think that after the episode on reparations, and, and much like the previous episode to that, the one on socialism, mm-hmm. I think it has garnered us uh, several new listeners to the podcast, to so the Just Thinking broadcast, mm. and uh, given that that's the case, man, I thought it might be t- uh, good to take a few minutes here at the top of this episode before we dive into our topic for this week to just sort of give for the benefit of our new listeners just a, a brief history, man, about how we came together, how, how the just thinking broadcast came to be, mm-hmm. uh, and, and tell a little bit about you. I'll, I'll share a little bit about me, but for our new listeners to get to know us a little bit and, uh, to bring them up to speed on, on how this, uh, this podcast came into existence. So you want to kick that off there, yeah. uh, Omaha and, yeah, yeah. uh, and, and, and then I'll, I'll chime in, man.
1: Yeah. Well, it was it, Dwayne, uh, Atkinson, uh, had, you know, has the bar, the bar podcast, the bar network. And he was just kind of, in fact, I want to say he did an interview, a one-on-one interview with you now. I'm I'm not sure how he, how yeah, he, he connected. Did. Yeah. He, I'm, I'm not sure how he connected, connected. Yeah, he
0: connected with me on Facebook.
1: Okay. And yeah. so, uh, maybe he came across something you, you had written or something like right. that. was I think that's it, it? Yeah. Okay. it. Yeah. Okay. And so he, he, had, he got done with that interview and before the interview actually uploaded and aired, he sent me uh, a message and I can't remember if it was text or inbox or something like that, warning me. He just said, Hey brother, when, you, you know, I want to, I want to put you on note, you know, on, on, just to let you know, there's a, there's a brother by the name of Daryl Bernard Harrison, you need to be on the lookout for, he said, you, you guys, you guys think a lot alike you guys kind of, re, he, he reminded me then in the interview of you and, and, and that kind of thing. And I thought, okay, wow, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I I can't wait to hear what, you know, what was said. He didn't, didn't really go into a whole lot of detail, just said, Hey, I I think you guys would be really, really good connecting. And so I thought, great. So I listened to the episode and I was just, I I was, I was blown away, bro. I really was like, man, there were all kinds of issues that that were raised that were, that got discussed. And uh, I remember thinking, man, I, because of, because of the format, Dwayne uses, there were more qu I, I would have probably taken that I think he had what 35, 40 minutes with you. I wanted, to, I mean, I, I wanted a whole nother hour. And so wow. I called yeah. I called him and asked him if he would mind if if I circled back with you on the on his podcast, actually. I mean, he was so gracious to allow me to do that, mm-hmm. uh, to ho- to host on his show and uh, and 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 just have a conversation with you about some of the issues that you raised. And uh man, we we just kind of we just kinda hit it off. And uh yeah. at, at least from my end, you know. So yeah. uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation, loved it, thought, man, my thought was twofold. One, uh, I'd started reading some of the stuff you you were writing, and uh I kind of came away from that thinking, I know I, I'd done a little radio back in the day, had done mm-hmm. some podcast work, and and I remember telling you at the end of our conversation, I said, listen, man, if you ever decide that you want to do podcasting, uh, I'd be happy to help out. You know, I'd I'd be, I'd be happy Mm -hmm, to be, mm -hmm. be your, your number two. Uh, You've got a blog, you've got writing that you're doing. You could, you know, you could definitely take lead on that, man. I'd be happy to play the sidekick and, uh, and do whatever you needed me to do. And I was willing to do as much or as little as you, as you desired. And so I just kind of left the ball in your court. And then kind of backed up. And so I'll, I'll let you pick up from there kind of what what took place.
0: Yeah. So from there uh, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and give somewhat of a Reader's Digest version on this, or maybe a shortened version of this. But we launched the podcast, right? We agreed, obviously, to do the podcast together. I was a podcasting rookie. Uh, I had my blog, which you can find at justthinking.me. That's just thinking. That's one word just thinking.me i was writing for my blog for a while so the, this podcast is sort of an out uh outreach or a uh, an augment uh, uh yeah to the to the blog that i've been writing for uh for a few years which is why we titled the blog the same i'm sorry we titled the podcast the same title as the blog Mm-hmm. And and, they, and the podcast shares the mission statement of the blog. Uh, so we use the podcast to apply biblical truth to the theological, social, political, and cultural issues of our world today. That is the tagline for my blog at JustThinking.me. That's also the tagline for the Just Thinking broadcast. So we launched the broadcast. We did our first podcast episode. Around mid-December of 2017, the worst time ever to
1: start a blog during the Christmas season.
0: <laughs> yeah, when when nobody's listening, when everybody's right, right. listening. Yeah, <laughs> when everybody's listening to Amy Grant Tennessee Christmas or right, something right, like that. Right, right. That, nobody's listening to a podcast in December. Right. Uh, so we so we've technically been doing the podcast now for 13 months. I took uh, I took essentially the months of December 2018. January and February 2019 off Mm -hmm. from doing the podcast because I was in the process of transitioning from Atlanta out here to LA to go to work for grace to you. Uh, so I've been here. We've physically been here in uh, California Valencia now for about two months and, uh, getting acclimated here. So during that time, during that gap, we were replaying some of our more popular episodes uh, of the podcast, while I got settled here, uh so we've done i think counting this episode we're 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 creeping up on about seventy episodes now mm-hmm. uh about seventy episodes, and what our new listeners may find interesting and what everybody finds interesting who's been listening to the just thinking broadcast for for a while is that they're sh- still shocked that you and I haven't met we Virgil and I have never met in person. Right. We have yet to meet in person. Uh, I've never met this man in person. He's never met me. Matter of fact, I've never met Dwayne Atkinson in person. Have you not? So, no, I've never met Dwayne in person.
1: I didn't know that, man.
0: Nope, never met Dwayne in person. So, now Dwayne and I—we've now we we've hooked
1: up. We hooked yeah. up at G three, right? Uh, about two two years ago, three years ago, I, I can't remember yeah. when. And uh, and you and I have just kind of crisscrossed. I'd I'd get there and you were out. Somewhere, or you were, and and this last year you were you were in California closing right. on your house, right? When when I was in Atlanta, during yeah. The, yeah, yep, yep.
0: So yep. you so you're flying from Omaha, Nebraska to Atlanta. I'm flying from Atlanta to L.A. Right to closing our house out here. So we missed each other again. Right. Um. So yeah. So Virgil and I have never met in person, but we've do, been doing the podcast now for 13 months. And the way we do this is that we don't have a calendar of topics that we're going to talk about on each episode. So right now I can't tell you what topic Virgil's going to deal with next week. Cause I don't know. He, right. he may not know. Um, no. when, when I'm back, <laughs> when, when, I, when I'm back with him in two weeks, I don't know what topic we're going to deal with. Right. Uh, what we do is at some point during the week, as the Lord burdens my heart with a topic, I'll text Virgil. The, so, Hey, what do you think about this topic? What do you think about talking about this on the next episode? Virtually to give it a thumbs up thumbs down with an asterisk. He'll explain his reasoning. Why maybe that, that he's not feeling that particular topic. So we'll exchange a few text messages, but normally it doesn't even take an exchange of text messages. I'll basically mm-hmm. shoot him a topic and then we're good to go. And uh, it. Yep. But, yeah. But it's so, so it's nothing formal like that. I'll do my preparation on my end. He does his preparation. On his end, and then normally we'll get together on Sunday afternoon's four o'clock Pacific time where I am, and he presses record and we uh we, we just talk like we're doing right now It's just a a conversation between two brothers, mm-hmm. but we're both uh we're both passionate about the Word of God, we're both passionate about expository studying the Word of God, mm-hmm. expository teaching of the Word of God, expository preaching. Of the word of God, which is why you will find, especially if you're new listeners, you may find that some of our episodes go a lot longer than your normal podcast would. But the beauty of a podcast is that you can turn a two hour episode, such as the one we did on reparations. And then prior to that, the one we did on socialism, you have control over, you know, when you listen and how much you listen to. So, right, right. Even even a two hour episode can be shrunk down to 10 minutes if that's what you desire. Mm-hmm. But what I like about listeners to our podcast, Virgil, is that they understand that that's how we roll. Right. <laughs> they they right. understand that when you, when you subscribe to the just thinking podcast, you're in for a, a, a comprehensive, if not exhaustive treatment of whatever the topic is that we're dealing with.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And, that's not by necessarily not by design. Yeah. We, we, Virgil on his side, Virgil, you know, he manages the clock. We realize we have a clock in play here. <laughs> we, he, he manages the clock, So we're not freestyling per se. Okay. Right. There is a structure to this. We have, you know, I have notes that I refer to Virgil has his notes that he'll refer to. Uh So we are cognizant of that, but at the same time, uh we give deference to what the word of god says regardless mm-hmm. of what the clock says and uh again thank you guys so much for your encouraging uh mm-hmm. social media comments your encouraging emails your encouraging reviews on iTunes uh if if you're so inclined please go out to I- iTunes and leave us a review we're not going to tell you what kind of review to leave we'll leave that up to you uh but if you want to take a couple minutes to go out to iTunes and leave us a review for the just thinking podcast we would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But thank you for uh thank you to all of our listeners for your prayers especially yeah. and for your encouragement because they really lift us up. They really keep us going. Uh especially when you you know you you do you do one episode right, Omaha and then you gotta turn right around and get prepared for ready for the, ready next, for the one. next one. Yeah. So uh with that was with life happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. uh you know so so thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate all of you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now,
0: with that said, uh, Omaha, do you have anything else to add, man, before we dive into the no, topic? Man. No, movie?
1: man. No, I, man. I think I think that was I think we covered a lot of ground there and, and gives folks a lot of a lot of background, because I, I think I shared with you up top man. I had a, I sat down with a brother who was brand new to the show, had listened, and was just really, you know, uh, came from a different point of view than the one we shared, which I, I really appreciated the conversation he and I had. But he he just kind of wondered, now, where are you guys coming from? How's all this work? And so I think that, I think, you know, doing what we did, knowing that a lot of new folks are being exposed to what we do, I think that was incredibly helpful. So.
0: Amen. Amen, brother. Absolutely. So here we are with a new episode of the adjusting and broadcast and a mm. new topic to discuss. Our topic for this episode is worldliness, worldliness, little, excuse me, threw a little subtitle on this one as well. Worldliness, taking God seriously, mm. taking God seriously. This is a, uh, this is just a topic that's been a burden on my heart uh, to talk with, to talk with you about Omaha and talk to our listeners about on this idea of worldliness in the church. And I'd like to begin this episode of the Just and Broadcast by reading from the New Testament, a text, and I'll be reading, of course, from the non-Armenian standard Bible translation. We'll, ke- we'll catch up next week. We'll catch up, next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch up We'll catch up next week. <laughs> so I want to begin this episode of the Just and Broadcast by reading from the New Testament, a text which... I personally fear far too many Christians have become all too comfortable with. This is probably one of those passages that most of us know by heart, but we've become all too comfortable with this text, which is one reason why I was burdened to talk about worldliness in this episode, worldliness as it relates to the church. Now, the text to which I'm referring is found in 1 John chapter 2, Verses 15 through 17. First John two verses 15 through 17. I'll be reading from the NESB. The text reads, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. That was First John 2, verses 15 through 17 from the NESB. Now, we're talking today about worldliness, and more specifically about the extent to which worldliness is impacting the universal church by virtue of the embracement of the world by individual believers. So we're talking about worldliness and its impact on the the church as a whole, the church universal by virtue of the embracement of the world by individual believers who comprise the church, right? The church is comprised of individual believers, but what is fundamental to our discussion about worldliness and its impact and influence on the church Is a definition of what worldliness is. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Omaha, you know this. I'm a big stickler about sticking to biblical terms. Yeah. Because regardless of the issue, what we want to do here on the Just Thinking broadcast is discuss those issues using biblical vernacular, biblical Mm -hmm. terms, so that we're discussing the issue within a biblical worldview and context. All right. So what's fundamental to this conversation is we have to define what worldliness is. So let's start by defining the term so as to set the context of our discussion on this episode of the Just Thinking broadcast. OK, so what is worldliness? That's the fundamental question. That's really where we need to start. Mm-hmm. You uh, did you ever play? Did you ever play hopscotch Omaha when you were? Yes, little? absolutely. So, you know, in hopscotch, right, rule number one is that you have to put the stone or the rock. You have to start on number one. Right. You just can't toss the rock to number six
1: Mm-mm.
0: in the hopscotch diagram in the hopscotch square. So, no. So just imagine if you're listening to this, we're playing hopscotch, and we've got the stone right there on number one. Marker number, box number one, block number one. Mm-hmm. And for us, block number one in the hopscotch game is to answer, ask and answer the question, what is Worldliness. okay. now, generally speaking, worldliness is a very broad and subjective term. When most people hear or think about what is meant by the term worldliness or someone who is worldly. They have a tendency to automatically default to a visage of someone who is overly materialistic or Mm -hmm. hedonistic in their behavior or pattern of life. But when it comes to defining world is, worldliness in terms of an objective and biblical context. I like this definition that's provided to us by the late Dr. Jerry Bridges in his book, Respectable Sins, Confronting the Sins We Tolerate. And if you don't have this book by Bridges, I highly recommend you get it and read it. It's called Respectable Sins, Confronting the Sins We Tolerate. This is how Bridges, Dr. Bridges, defines worldliness. Quote, The sin of worldliness is a preoccupation with the things of this temporal life. It's accepting and going along with the views and practices of society around us without discerning if they are biblical. I believe that the key to our tendencies toward worldliness lies primarily in the two words, going along. We simply go along with the values and practices of society, unquote. Mm -hmm. So that's how Bridges defines worldliness in his book, Respectable Sins. He says, worldliness can be narrowed down to just two words, going along. We simply go along, we being the church, we being believers, we simply go along with the values and practices of society. Now, I personally believe Bridges is right in this definition. I think this is a very accurate definition of worldliness. and There are any number of evidences that the evangelical church today is, as Bridges said, going along with the values and practices of the world. For example, many so-called Christian denominations have embraced the oxymoronic practice of recognizing same-sex marriage. Now, I, I refer to that as oxymoronic. Because biblically, no two people of the same sex can be married. That, is not, that does not conform with the biblical definition of marriage. Okay? So as long as there is so-called same-sex marriage, I will continue to refer to it as an oxymoronic practice. Mm-hmm. Okay? Biblically speaking. Now, another example of how the church is going along with the world's values and practices is this growing embracement of the social gospel within the evangelical church and and the embracement, conversely, of ethnic ecclesiology. Mm -hmm. What I mean by ethnic ecclesiology, I define that as programmatic, choreographed efforts to encourage local congregations to become more ethnically diverse under the guise that ethnic diversity is a so-called gospel issue, as if God somehow needed our help to build his church. (laughs) So that's two examples that the church is proving Dr. Jerry Bridges right Right. in his definition of what worldliness is. We're going along with the world's values and principles and and practices in two ways, same-sex marriage, social gospel, and there are others, but those are the two that I that, that came to my mind as I sort of meditated on Bridges' definition of worldliness. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts uh, f- from your side, of Omaha, on what Bridges said? No, I thought I I, I love his definition, and uh, I think
1: I think it's pretty all encompassing in in a couple of ways. One, he starts out by talking about. Um, people being struck with the preoccupation of of things in this temporal life, and that that can cover quite a bit of ground. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's important for that to cover quite a bit of ground because you, you, you've you've heard this, the quote from from John Calvin, which says the heart of a man is a factory of idols. Right, like, w- we can figure out ways in which to create an idol out of anything temporal, regardless of what that is. And so I think as for for the believer, he or she has to be mindful that we can have a preoccupation with temporal things and that, 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 that the, the process of our ongoing sanctification, we we face those kinds of challenges nonstop, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. God's always kind of either challenging us or maybe life happens in some way, shape or form where 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 you know that which we held dear near and dear to us is ripped from us, maybe maybe a car broke breaks down that mm-hmm. you cared for maybe a and, and here in, in Nebraska right now, people are undergoing this in major ways with the the devastation from the flood
0: mm-hmm. right? yep. H-
1: homes have been washed away with all of the the, the people's you know earthly goods they they all of the the temporal things that they may hold dear while, while i don't I, I don't at all minimize that i simply simply use it to say. Man, we're all. That, that's a constant, ongoing, ongoing process. Second thing right. that I thought thought was interesting that he that he talked about was, and it's and it's what you addressed in your examples, which which is the the, the how we go along with the views and practices of society right. around us without discerning if those ideas are biblical mm-hmm. yeah you know, that's mm-hmm. a huge that's a huge category um mm-hmm. uh, had had a recent I, I shared with you earlier i had a recent discussion with a with a brother uh from my church and we were talking about you know social justice issues we were talking about he had listened to one of our previous uh episodes i think it was on uh the one on socialism Right, and those some ideas that he kind of wanted to wanted to challenge, wanted to kind of talk through and talk about, and and one of the things that you've set up as we've as we've had conversations over time is the importance of biblical categories. Right. Uh, the importance of biblical definitions, mm-hmm. because as a, as a believer, when you stand on those biblical definitions and biblical categories for subjects that we're talking about, subjects that we've covered on 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 this podcast, mm-hmm. it really, really anchors the discussion. And and yep. you, you you don't you don't waver from biblical truth. And so that right. that's important. But all of that was a part of the definition that that uh, that that Jerry Bridges um that Dr. Bridges shared, which I think was really, really good.
0: Yeah, I really liked uh, in agreement with you how uh Dr. Bridges and his definition sort of added that caveat that worldliness is a preoccupation with the things of this temporal life and going along with the views and practices of society around us without discerning if they're biblical. Right. That's the caveat, see. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the that's that five ton boulder. Mic drop moment right there. Without right. discerning if they are biblical. biblical, right? See, and that's the category. That's the caveat right there. You know, speaking of Bridges' definition, I, I came across a, a, another definition of worldliness that I really, really liked, and this one is from the book that's entitled "Worldliness: Resisting the Seduction of a Falling, War- Falling World." How you like that as a title, Omaha? That's awesome. worldliness resisting the seduction of a fallen world. Uh, This book was edited by CJ Mahaney and the foreword of the book was written by John Piper. The the, the book is a very small book and it's got contributions from various pastors. One of those pastors was a gentleman by the name of, uh, i mentioned CJ Mahaney Mm -hmm. um, and Mahaney is the one who provides the definition of worldliness in this book worldliness resisting the seduction of a fallen world. Listen to how Mahaney defines worldliness. I thought this was great as well. Mahaney says, worldliness is a love for this fallen world. It's loving the values and pursuits of the world that stand opposed to God. More specifically, Mahaney says, it is to gratify and exalt oneself to the exclusion of God. It rejects God's rule and replaces it with our own. It exalts our opinion and opinions above God's truth. It elevates our sinful desires for the things of this fallen world above God's commands and promises. Mm. That is a sobering definition. I want to read that once again. It's just so profound. CJ Mahaney says that worldliness is a love for this fallen world. It's loving the values and pursuits of the world that stand opposed to God. More specifically, it is to gratify and exalt oneself to the exclusion of God. It rejects God's rule and replaces it with our own. It exalts our opinions above God's truth. It elevates our sinful desires for the things of this fallen world above God's commands and promises. Thoughts on that definition from C.J. Mahaney, Omaha.
1: No, I I love that. It, it's, it's, in, I mean, it's all encompassing. I mean, you could, you could take that statement and then, and then kind of do a systematic study through the scriptures yep. and begin adding various texts to each one of those statements. I thought it was really, really good.
0: Yeah. The thing here though, what both Bridges and Mahaney are describing when you take their respective definitions and lay them side by side. What they're really describing is the fruit of a heart whose affections are more aligned toward loving the world than loving God. Mm. Now, in the text we referred to at the top of the episode in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, in verse 15 of that passage, where we read, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. The word world there in that text, in verse 15 of 1 John 2, the word world is the Greek noun cosmos, mm-hmm. K-O-S-M-O-S, from which we get our English word cosmos, C-O-S-M-O-S. Now, one of the ways the word cosmos is translated in First John 2.15 refers to the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which, although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire, seduce us from God, and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. Mm. That one word, okay, that one word in that verse, in 1 John two fifteen. that word world, when taken in context of that entire verse, do not love the world nor the things of the world, we're talking about the whole circle of, of earthly goods mm. that seduce us from God. It are obstacles to the cause of Christ. I like that word obstacles. I like that word obstacles in that Greek definition of that word cosmos. Now, Merriam Webster's dictionary defines obstacles as something that impedes progress or achievement. Okay. An obstacle is something that impedes progress or achievement. Now in scripture, the word for obstacles is hindrances, hindrances. Mm. It is a word that is used only once in the entirety of the New Testament. And we see it in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, where the apostle Paul writes this. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned And turn away from them. So, Paul is warning believers to keep an eye out for those who cause dissensions and hindrances or obstacles in contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. So, in scripture, that word hindrances is the Greek noun scandalon. That's spelled S K A N D A L O N. Scandalon. From which we get our English word scandal. Now, in the text we just read in Romans sixteen seventeen, the word scandalon refers to any impediment placed in the way that causes one to stumble or fall. Okay, so when we read that word hindrances in Romans sixteen seventeen, translated in the Greek, that word refers to any impediment placed in the way that causes one to stumble or fall. Now, the concept of stumbling is quite prominent in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament. For example, I'm going to read several texts where you will hear the word stumble uh, in these verses, Either sometimes more than once in these verses, but you're going to hear this, the word stumble as a repeated theme uh, in these New Testament texts. First of all, Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 43, 45, and 47. Mark 9, 43, 45, and 47. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off as well. So those texts Continue through verses 43, 45, and 47, where that word stumble is used three times in those verses. Another text is Luke chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Luke 17, 1 and 2. He said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones. To stumble, John chapter six verse sixty one. But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, "Does this cause you to stumble?" John chapter eleven verse nine. Jesus answered, "Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world." Mm -hmm. Romans eleven eleven. I say then. They did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. James chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. And then lastly, I want to read Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Second Peter 110. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Mm -hmm. So that idea of stumbling is prevalent throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels and then on into the epistles. Now, speaking of stumbling, Omaha, I'm sure you remember the Christian hip hop group, DC Talk. That was very popular back in the oh yeah early mid nineties, right? When DC talks,
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you remember how they used to do that DC talk? Yeah, man, talk? DC like, talk.
0: What yeah. That's what they were trying to be all hard and everything. Right, right,
1: man. right, right, right.
0: You, you would never listen. You would never confuse DC talk with NWA. That's for no. sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: wild, man. DC Talk, DC Talk. But DC Talk released the song uh, on their album, Jesus Freak. I think this came out, it might have been even late 80s, early 90s. But Mm -hmm. DC Talk had an album called, it was titled Jesus Freak. And on that album was, a man, just a fantastic song. The song was titled, What If I Stumble? What If I Stumble? And uh, it's a song that confronts the question of how believers ought to respond to a fellow believer if and when he or she stumbles or falls into sin. The song is called What If I Stumble from DC Talk's album titled Jesus Freak. And the chorus of the song goes, the words of the chorus go like this. I'm not, not going to sing it. The words of the, oh, of the man, chorus I thought go you, like
1: this. I thought you was going to give us a
0: little. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I have to charge admission for that.
1: You got to charge for that one? Okay. <laughs> I got to charge okay. for that. I'm just tripping. I mean, we, we, you, you had CJ Mahaney. I mean, you, you, you've quoted Thomas. So we got DC talk in the building. DC okay, talk, man. man, I'm with DC you, brother. Talks. Let's do this. Let's do
0: this. So again, this whole theme of, of stumbling and falling is, is just prevalent throughout the new Testament. And in the course of DC talks song, what if I stumble goes this way? What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose my step and I make fools of us all? Mm. Will your love continue when my walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble, and what if I fall? Now, is that not something to think about,
1: bro? I remember that song. You remember that song? I remember the song, and and uh, and and even as you read it, man, the the, wor- the words are powerful. They really are they, powerful. They, they, yeah, they really are. I mean, those you know, those we, are
0: powerful we, words. Yeah, we
1: we can make light of that, of DC talk and all that. But man, that those are some powerful words to think through. Really are.
0: So we're talking about worldliness. We're talking about worldliness, and we're talking about the uh, the, the biblical uh, doctrine of stumbling and falling, right? And I think these words from DC Talk should make us all stop and think, right? Because what did we just read? We just read, and I think an earlier text here uh, with respect to, uh, I'm trying to locate it now, where uh, in, in one of the, uh, the scriptures that I just read, mm-hmm. it was talking about if anyone— um, yeah, it's James 3 2. James 3 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Well, the point is none of us is perfect. Right. Right. None of us is perfect. So these words from DC talk should carry weight with us all with respect yeah. to what may trip us up, what hindrances are in our own lives, what right. obstacles are in our own lives that might cause us to fall? And one of those obstacles that we're talking about is worldliness. I love these. I love the words of these of this course. What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose my step and I make fools of us all? Will your love continue when my walk becomes a crawl? I love that. Mm -hmm. What if I stumble and what if I fall? Now, in Second Peter one ten. Which I just read a few moments ago, Peter says, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Now, in reading this text, there are two specific questions that come to mind. Number one, what, quote unquote, things is Peter referring to when he says, for as long as you practice these things? What does he mean by these things? And then question number two, what does never stumble mean? Is Peter suggesting in saying that, that we will never sin, that we'll never disobey Mm-hmm. or never transgress if we practice these things, whatever these things are? Right. So those are two questions, I'm, I'm sure, among others that come to my mind. So the first question, what are these things to which Peter is referring? Now, to answer that question, we need only go back a few verses prior to that to a list of what I'm going to refer to as spiritual disciplines yeah. that Peter mentions in verses 5 through 9 of Second Peter chapter 1. So we, we read 2 Peter 1, verse 10, just go back a couple of verses, back to verse 5, and we find the answer to the question, what are these things that Peter says we are to practice? So I'm going to read from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Peter says this, Now for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. That is his former life of sin. So in that one text in 2 Peter 1 through 5, when Peter says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, Mm. okay, those three words, and are increasing, he's speaking to sanctification right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's speaking to sanctification right there. When he says that that if you're practicing these qualities and they are increasing, That's sanctification. He says, if that's happening, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, A true knowledge of Christ. He's talking about salvation because a true knowledge of Christ will bring you towards uh, a belief in the gospel, a belief in the gospel and then a belief in Christ as Lord and Savior. So those are two important elements that we need to consider. So we find here in second Peter chapter one, verses 5 through 9, 8, of what Peter refers to as qualities. 8, he refers to them as qualities in verse 9 of 2 Peter Peter 1, verse 9. He calls them qualities. These are eight qualities that those who profess to be followers of Christ are to practice. They are, again, diligence, you see that in verse 5, moral excellence, you see that in verse 5, knowledge in verse 5, self-control in verse 6, Perseverance in verse 6, godliness in verse 6, brotherly kindness in verse 7, and love in verse 7. Now, mm-hmm. I thought about exegeting each one of those on this episode that we're recording today, but I decided instead to just let our listeners do their own in-depth study on those eight qualities. Okay, so we won't, yeah. we won't I, not do that in this episode. No doubt. I want, I want to interject one thing yeah, go, here, go
1: and that is that... You know, and and I, our regular listeners are used to kind of what we do when we when when you know when you're exegeting a text or walking through a particular section of scripture, and 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 I just want to encourage folks to maybe pause here, go grab a pen, uh, a paper, maybe maybe go back a little bit and 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 walk through uh, this section of scripture with their pen, with their notepad. And, and kind of un, unpack kind of what's what's happening there and then do what you just said. Uh, oftentimes we are so, and I'm, I am, I'm big time guilty of this. Oftentimes we're so guilty of just listening and taking in information and, and walking away going, Hey, I heard that that was really good. Rather than doing what you're suggesting now, which is taking the time from what you shared to do their own in-depth study mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. each of the terms and in an effort to really, understand what we as believers are to practice
0: Mm -hmm. amen that's a great point Omaha great point so there were eight qualities Peter calls them qualities okay we can refer to them as spiritual disciplines that should be evident in the believer's life as Mm -hmm. as proof of uh number one faith proof that you belong to Christ and those who truly belong to him these evidences will be apparent uh to all as uh marks of your sanctification so now, as I said, I thought about exegeting those terms, but are going to let our listeners go ahead and do their own study on them. But that said, in reflecting on these eight qualities and in contemplating Peter's exhortation here in 2 Peter 5 verses 7 through 9, that believers ought to be diligent to apply these qualities to our lives to ensure that we are that these qualities are increasing right within us, as he said. I'm reminded of something that the great British theologian uh, J.C. Riles said in his classic work, Holiness. In that work, which I'm sure you've read, correct Omaha, you have That's read right. whole, yep. Yep. multiple times. I'm sure. I try,
1: yeah, I have. I, I try. I try to read it regularly. Yeah. once a year, mm-hmm. if not once every other year, I'm trying to walk yeah. through that. Yeah. Uh,
0: J.C. Ryle said this in his classic work on holiness. Quote: Of all sites in the Church of Christ. I know none more painful to my own eyes than a Christian contented and satisfied with a little grace, a little repentance, a little faith, a little knowledge, a little charity, and a little holiness. I do beseech and entreat every believing soul that reads this tract not to be that kind of man. If you have any desires after usefulness, If you have any wishes to promote your glory, your Lord's glory, if you have any longings after much inward peace, be not content with a little religion. Let us rather seek every year we live to make more spiritual progress than we have done to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus to grow in humility and self acquaintance to grow in spirituality and heavenly mindedness to grow in conformity to the image of our Lord mm. quote. So back there, Ryle is essentially, you know, recapitulating what we just read in first Peter, I'm sorry, second Peter chapter one, verses five through nine, because Peter said, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, right? Mm -hmm. Ryle says, Ryle says, let us rather seek every year to make more spiritual progress than we have done. Right. Same thing.
1: Thoughts on that, Omar? It's interesting. I was listening um, earlier today to a, um, in fact, it was, I was listening to John MacArthur actually preach through Ephesians 4 um 1 through 6 in fact it took I want to say it took 6 6 sermons to get through the first two or three verses and um in mm-hmm. Ephesians yep. in, in Ephesians 4 Paul Paul encourages us to live a life worthy of of the one by which we've been been captured um by God in and fa- in fact let, let me let me turn there really quickly to the uh to ephesians 4 verse 1 from the from from the uh, elect standard version let me let me let me let me turn let me turn there just just briefly just briefly
0: dying to get that one in (laughs) dying
1: yeah paul says this he says i I therefore a prisoner for the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called verse 2 with all humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and I, I think I think that you know what what riles does in that is is really in the same way that Paul does he urges us you know and and he's done this after you know, paul has has does this urging it's it, he there's a therefore that, you know, in, in, in four one, And so the, the whole reason that we're thinking and stopping there is because of all of what he's written from, from chapter one through chapter three about what right. God has done, right? right. Yep. Uh, the power of what God has done in salvation, where he found us and while we were dead in sin and trespasses, not, mm-hmm. not our works that helped save us, but his grace and the mystery of God being revealed in chapter three through Paul, that it was made available to us as Gentiles. Now that we know all of that, Right We should therefore be so captured by God's love as expressed to us that we now therefore live a life worthy of the calling, and that's exactly what Ryle is asking is challenging us as believers to do in that space. I mean it, you know if if we have desires, any desire to be useful for the purpose of promoting the Lord's glory. Uh, that that we would we would pursue Christ in such a way that we would demonstrate Him in our lives. So it was really, yeah, and,
0: really good. And, and, and see, this is what Raul is talking about is what happens to a heart that has been captured by a absolutely by worldliness, a, a a worldly heart. Okay, a worldly heart is content with a little grace, absolutely, absolutely, a little repentance, a little faith, a little knowledge, a little charity, and a little holiness. That's what worldliness does. Right. It makes you satisfied with the little of all those things. But as, as Ryle says, he says, if, if you have any desire to be useful, to right. be used by God. Right. If you have any degree of wishes to pro- promote your Lord's glory, any longings after much inward peace, be not content with these things. Absolutely. Don't be content with a little grace, a little repentance. You know, this, 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 But this is what worldliness does. This is what an attitude of worldliness does. And you know, Omaha, as I reflect on these words from J.C. Rao, I find myself just really burdened with the question of how seriously do we who profess to be Christians actually take it that we are Christians? How seriously Absolutely. do we really take that? Absolutely, I, I think I think
1: that's that's an important question that definitely needs to be asked. We've got to examine our own hearts to determine, if, if, you know, where we stand with regard to that. And
0: you know, I was really burdened with the question: you know, how seriously do we, as professing Christians, take it that we are Christians?
1: Mm. How
0: seriously do we really take that? I mean, what does it really mean to us, if anything? that we identify as believers in Jesus Christ in a world that is constantly trying to convince us that we don't need Jesus and is doing everything it can to make us think that believing the gospel and following Christ is holy and exercise in futility. Right. I mean, how do, up against that do we really take our Christianity seriously? I mean, the last thing the world wants believers to do is to obey God. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing the world wants us to do. The last thing, But obedience is exactly what believers in Christ are called to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, consider what Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Mm -hmm. That's probably the most profound rhetorical question you're going to find in all the Bible. Mm -hmm. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than that. With regard to the mindset you and I as believers in the one true God are to have and how consequently we are to conduct ourselves in this life. Mm -hmm. And yet the world with its incessant attractions and temptations that appeal to our flesh is continually and constantly drawing countless numbers of professing Christians away from believing the gospel and from committing themselves to a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christians are commanded to not love the world nor the things in the world, but instead to lovingly and willingly die daily to ourselves in light of what Christ has done for us by saving us from God's holy and divine wrath, which each and every one of us deserves as just punishment for the sins we've committed against him. Mm-hmm. I mean, as Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, he said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now that word deny there is a very strong verb in the Greek. It is the verb, arneomai, arneomai, which translated means to completely disregard one's own interests. To completely disregard one's own interests to totally reject or refuse something that is offered to you. In this case, it's going to be offered by the world. And I'm not really sure we as Christians grasp that concept, that concept of denying ourselves and daily dying, daily dying to follow after our Lord. Any thoughts right. on that, Omar? A number, number of different things kind of come to
1: mind as, as you walk through that, my mind when whenever we talk about the issue of a denying oneself, taking up a cross and following I, I, I think of the immediate impact of that on those who heard the words from Christ, um, those mm-hmm. disciples that were around him at the time, right mm-hmm. and 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 the fact that they would indeed lose their lives. Yep. uh for the sake and cause of of Christ peter initially denying christ right and then right. and then being and then being restored o- only to have to give his life for his lord and savior i, I know you i know you, you you're a reader of, of of a lot of puritan literature i know you've read a lot about the martyrs as well as as have i and and i'm always struck anytime i anytime i read about about the martyrs i'm always struck by their their commitment for the cause and sake of Christ, Mm -hmm. whether, whether it was, you know, whether it was a a Whitcliffe or any, any, anyone who's been at the stake a John Huss, anyone who's, who's had to maybe deal with fire or, 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 you know, been crucified upside down. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. just imagining what those folks go through. And I compare, you know, our current status in in life, our, our current, um, you know, backdrop of, of American Christianity um, and, and what we would call, um, you know, persecution, which yeah. is really light hearty when, when right. you compare it to what, yeah. what has taken place uh, in, in the past. But w- whenever I think about the cost of Christianity and um, in, in its increase in our culture, because it, it, the, the cost of being a Christian is increasing in our culture. It is. Uh, it, it forces us to examine our lives against the backdrop of what you just read. Mm hmm. And yeah. that, that's that, that's kind of what I think. the The other thing I thought about was Paul's letter to the church at Colossae in chapter mm-hmm. one, where he talks about being imprisoned, mm-hmm. uh, and and that his imprisonment, his hope was that it would embolden others to profess their faith. In Christ, and so um, you know, as we begin to see persecution increase, and 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 others maybe take a take a uh, more of a more more persecuted impact based upon the cause of Christ, I'm hopeful that it'll encourage those of us who are indeed true believers in Him to uh, to, to to be more more assured in our faith, to be more convicted about what we what we believe. And to make a, a deeper stand for that purpose, there was a quote by Martin Lloyd Jones, and I wish I could 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 find it. But uh, MacArthur talked about it when he was walking through, um, when he was walking through the, uh, Ephesians four one, and he talked about how even in Lloyd Jones's time, he really had kind of thought that the church had really kind of developed this idea around kind of a, a, an embrace of just the, the mores of the day the, the, the right. moralism mm-hmm. of the day the mm-hmm. backdrop of the day and, and really weren't convicted uh, that they were that they were kind of holding close a really weakened version of Christianity yeah. and, uh, and, and, and even in, even in Lloyd Jones's time when you, when you hear that you're kind of impacted when you, when you compare that to where we are today but those are the kinds of thoughts that went through my mind as you kind of walked through that, that section of, of, uh, of, of your of your thoughts
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a great point with respect to persecution, uh, historical persecution uh, as compared with, uh, you know, contemporary Christianity today. I think especially in America, Mm -hmm. being a Christian here is so easy. It's so easy to be a Christian, even with the uh, instances of persecution uh, that uh, have happened over the last few years, you know, with, uh, you know, Christian uh, small business owners being persecuted mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. LGBT lobby mm-hmm. uh you know you have Christian universities being pressured to uh, uh permit abortions yeah. uh, Christian organizations and companies being pressured to provide insurance to their employees that, that uh, provide uh, that are, are through uh, providers that pay for abortions mm-hmm. and things of that nature but those instances notwithstanding Christian being a Christian in America is very easy yeah. A very easy walk to walk. And I think to our own detriment, because as I just read Jesus's own words in Luke chapter nine, verse 23, uh, it, Christianity in America doesn't really ask a lot of us. No, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. It, 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 of, it's it, almost it's almost a
1: meaningless phrase at times. Right. I mean, yeah, me, it is being a Christian basically means I'm not Buddhist. Uh, I'm yeah. not I'm not Muslim. Right. Uh, right, be, being Christian means in most in, in a lot of instances that I, I I go to church at Christmas and Easter the Christers, mm-hmm. and, yeah. uh, yeah. and, <laughs> and and that that you know that's about the extent of, of my Christian faith. You know, yeah. I, I'm I I believe in God. I know He exists, and and that's the extent of it.
0: Yeah, I you know we're coming up here. You know, we're only what a couple weeks away from Easter, and this is that you know one one time of year when people will dust their Bibles off. Uh, you know, uh, put a little uh, uh, cooking oil on them to make them shine real nice and, uh, you know, and shine that leather up or whatever and, and you know, walk into church with them, and take it into church with them and not even open it. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll, hear them str- you'll see them struggling to find what, what book of the Bible the sermon's coming from because they never right. opened it the rest of the year. Yeah. You know, so here, here we come, that one time of the year where folks will walk into church in their new clothes, their new attire, all Natalie's had, attired with their new bibles you know no wrinkles in the pages every no creases nothing mm-hmm. uh but and, and they'll dust them off and they'll, they'll go back home after easter they'll go eat and then put the bible right back where it was until next easter right you know but but again you know we we know nothing We we profess to belong to christ we profess to be uh believers in jesus but when it comes to de- denying ourselves and dying to ourselves daily, I mean, we hardly know anything about that. Right. Right. We, we we hardly take a thought as the scriptures say that we have been bought. We have been bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. Yeah. How often does that cross the mind of the average Christian in America?
1: Yeah. I, I would
0: say rarely, if ever. Yeah.
1: yeah. Rarely, Here, if here's, ever. Here's what's interesting about that, um, uh, Daryl. And, and it is, it is for for me, and I, and I don't as as we as we're making commentary on what what we see in the culture. I, I'm not I'm not devoid of that of of, of you know looking at myself and, and and examining myself to indeed see if I'm of the faith, right? Bingo. Uh, we we have to do that for those of us who even claim Christ or profess Christ or 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 have some some level of leadership at our church, man. I. I've got to do the same thing to my own life and say, man, is is my life reflective of the fact that am I continuing to die to self? Am I continuing to die to issues of worldliness? Am I continuing mm-hmm. to, to 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 look at areas where where I've you know I, I need to I need to you know maybe stop doing certain things or stop, doing, stop exactly being, being on certain things. And so exactly. I, I think I think it, while it is while it's easy, it's it's easier maybe for for me or for us to be in a position to say, hey, you know what? Those those are missing it. You know mm-hmm. what? What area of of my life looks like a creaster, right? Right. Right. What 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 areas of of my life where I know better? I've spent time in the Word. I've examined the pages. I've wrinkled a, a, quite a few of those bad boys, mm-hmm. and and I know what's in the text. Mm-hmm. And and I'm still allowing a a a besetting sin in, in my own life to. To, to nag or gnaw, and, and, and I'm not dying to self. And so I, I, sh- I share that piece to say, as, as even as we and I know, and I know, you, I know, th- this is your mindset as well, even as we say, make comments about about folks or, or things that we see as we examine the culture, it, we we're also required, according to scripture to take that same lens, and look at our look at our own lives as well. So
0: Absolutely. What does the scripture teach us? Examine yourself, right? Examine yourself. See if
1: You're in the faith. Absolutely. See,
0: exactly. Examine yourself. You know, it's really sad. You're just talking about the word of God and how what the average uh, home in America owns like three Bibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's really sad that we don't take more seriously. That in those pages of what we refer to as the Bible mm-hmm. is the written word of the God who created Everything, yeah, that's a great point. the written word to us to his created people, mm-hmm. we are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. I want to make that yeah. distinction. Yeah. we are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. So when I say uh th- that we take for granted that we have on printed pages the Word of God, I'm primarily talking to believers. I'm talking to believers who take for granted. That they have three Bibles in their home and they never pick them up to read what the God of all creation has to say to them. I mean, what an affront to God. Right, what an right. absolute affront to the God who has created everything that has ever existed mm-hmm. that we dust his word off once a year, maybe twice. We dust it off, and then we put it back to get dusted again. unbelievable mm-hmm. it's unbelievable mm-hmm. we, we take no we take no thought that as believers, we do not belong to ourselves. we do not we do not exist for ourselves any longer until that point, listen to what John Calvin had to say. This is from his institutes. This is John Calvin, and for those who have not yet read calvin's institutes i encourage you to do so i know it's pretty encyclopedic right okay? right right it's pretty voluminous okay yeah. but if you get a good translation i recommend the robert white translation mm. uh, myself personally i like the robert white translation of calvin's institutes but get a good translation and you can read it read through it intermittently you don't have to try to swallow the whole thing in one sitting but calvin says this to to the point i was making about how, it's, how it's Christians, we, we we give little if any regard on a consistent basis that we don't belong to ourselves. Calvin says this He says if then we are not our own, but belong instead to the Lord, it is clear what we must do to avoid going astray or stumbling, parenthetically. It's clear what we must do to avoid going astray, and what our goal must be in every department of life. We are not our own. Let not reason and will, therefore, determine our plans or the things we need to do. We are not our own. Let us, therefore, choose as our goal whatever might suit the flesh. We are not our own. Let us, therefore, forget ourselves as much as we can, ourselves and everything around us. Again, we are the Lord's. Let us then live and die for him. We are the Lord's. Let his will and wisdom govern all that we do. We are the Lord's. Let every part of our lives be directed to him as to their sole end. What progress that man has made who, knowing that he is not his own, denies his reason lordship and dominion over him and surrenders it instead to God. For just as there is nothing which leads to ruin and destruction more surely than self-satisfaction, so also the only haven of salvation is to cease to be wise in oneself and to want nothing on one's own account, but simply to follow the Lord. Powerful, powerful words Mm -hmm. from Calvin. Mm Mm-hmm. I think one of the more obvious and prolific ways in which Christians love the world is through media, and especially social media. Of course, as with all technological advances, social media has its benefits. I'm not discounting it, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Nevertheless, as fallen human beings, we must be wise and discerning in how we use those platforms, lest they begin to use us. We either are discerning, as Bridges said right at the very beginning, we either give thought to whether our use of these platforms are biblical or they're going to start to use us. Mm -hmm. Now, on that note, I'd like to again refer to the excellent book, Worldliness, which we quoted from at the top of the episode, Worldliness Resisting the Seduction of a Fallen World, Mm -hmm. and the chapter written by Pastor Craig Cabanus, entitled God, My Heart, and Media. God, My Heart, and Media. Hmm. In that chapter of the book on worldliness, Cabanas says this about Christians and our exposure to media. Quote, a lifestyle of careless viewing of media, and he includes social media in this, a lifestyle of careless viewing should concern us. At best, careless viewing reveals an ignorance of the media's power of temptation. Mm. It probably indicates a degree of laziness as well. And we can afford to be lazy in what our mind, we cannot afford to be lazy in what our minds absorb. Biblical discernment involves critical thinking, which often leads to costly action. It's true that we grow in sanctification by God's grace, but this doesn't deny that our growth involves work. To mature, we need to be we need engaged minds asking biblically informed questions about the media's message messages and methods. What's more, we need perseverance to travel against the cultural current. When it comes to waging the war of sanctification, severe trial usually alerts us to battle, rousing us to our need for God. Popular culture, especially entertainment media. Often lulls us to ignore our battle with the flesh. In this conflict, how many Christians are waving the white flag of surrender by disengaging their discernment when it comes to media? Just because we don't instantly mimic what we see doesn't mean our hearts aren't negatively affected by what we watch. The media can tempt us to drift toward love of the world. The drift toward worldliness is subtle gradual and internal and if we assume we're immune to it that's a sure sign that the drift has already begun wow boom wow that's a mic drop that's a mic drop right there mm-hmm. he says if we assume we're Im- immune to this drift towards world worldliness then that's a sure sign that the drift has already begun hmm you know, when it comes to this matter of worldliness in the life of the Christian and in the church, one of my go-to texts is in First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Mm-hmm. Listen to what Peter says here, up against the backdrop of worldliness in the life of the Christian and in the church. Peter writes this, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that is ceased from practicing sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men but for the will of God that is a scriptural way of saying what john calvin i'm sorry what what craig cabinus just said in the book yeah. worldliness yeah that's 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 a that's just a different way of saying it and, and and we and we as Christians need to be conscious of whether we're drifting. Mm-hmm. Are you drifting towards worldliness? Are you settling for a little repentance, a little faith, a little sanctification? Are you settling for that? You know what what Peter is saying here in this text that we just read in First Peter four verses one through three. What he's saying in that text is exactly what the life of one whose heart has genuinely been transformed by the gospel of Christ should look like mm-hmm. one that no longer lives to satisfy the lust of the flesh, but in every aspect of his or her life seeks to do the will of God. Mm. You know, in other words, what we're talking about ultimately is sanctification. Absolutely. Sanctification. That is, are we as believers, are we growing and maturing in our love for Christ so that our heart's desire is to daily deny the world and die to ourselves. That's ultimately the question that we're trying to answer here. Absolutely. Now, to that end, to that end that that we're ultimately talking about sanctification, I want to read a quote from R.C. Sproul Jr. Mm -hmm. R.C. Sproul Jr. said this in a tweet earlier this week, and I thought it was so profound that I asked for his permission Uh, to use his remarks in this episode, and he graciously granted me permission to do so. Mm. Listen to what R.C. Sproul Jr. said, quote, sanctification is far more about what we are than what we do. We don't seek to stop sinning and then we can be more like Jesus. Instead, we seek to be more like Jesus and we end up sinning less. Now wait a minute. Now, now I need a little Hammond B
1: three. Hammond right B three,
0: where you at? Where you at? <laughs>
1: I'm I'm ho- I'm hoping our man our man Dwayne hooks us up at the top of the show, man. That's that's a Hammond B three <laughs> statement right there. Man, that's you, Hammond B three. You're gonna have to read that one again, man.
0: That's Hammond B three. See if we were in a black church right now, right? We'd be tuning up. Mm-hmm. We'd be tuning. To- we would be tuning up the Hammond yeah. B three. People yeah. will be standing up, yeah, hands in the air, waving them like they just don't care.
1: I, I bet I bet RC Sproul Jr. doesn't have an idea what we're talking about <laughs> with the Hammond B three. He would probably pass out if somebody tuned up a Hammond B three <laughs> when he made that statement. He would he would he would know what to do with that.
0: But on a serious note, I will read that again because this this is very very profound. Sanctification is far more about what we are what we are than what we do. Sanctification is far more about what we are than what we do. We don't seek to stop sinning and then we can be more like Jesus. Instead, we seek to be more like Jesus and we end up sinning less. Now, as I, as I read that quote again from R.C. Sproul Jr., I'm thinking to myself, Omaha, how many millions of Christians are living their lives this way? They think sanctification is about what we, what we, uh, who we are, mm-hmm. than what we do. Right. They're trying to, they're, 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 they're trying to work every day. Right. They're just right. trying to work, work, right. work, 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 work. Right. All right. When, when Sproul is saying here that sanctification is far more about what we are than what we do, but we got millions of Christians out there trying to work their way, they're trying to work their way into this sort of sanctified condition. Right, instead of trusting in Christ, resting in His grace, and resting in His power to sanctify us through that grace. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. That the, the I always say, it, man, the the power of the cross was 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 not simply powerful enough to absolve sin, but it was it also empowers us to abstain from it as well.
0: Amen, man. Excellent point. Excellent point. Fire up the Hammond again, right there, come man. On, that was an excellent on. point. Yeah. Now. As we close, I, I want to leave our listeners with a reminder from the Word of God in 1 John two seventeen The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever mm. this world, this world, my brother and sister, for which you are living, for which the spirit of worldliness has sort of captured you to which you are, are are are, selling out to, this world one day will be no more, will be no more. But the one who does the will of God will live forever. You see, the world wants us to stumble. The world every day is waiting for Christians to stumble, to fall into sin, to turn our affections toward the flesh and away from God. The world's waiting for us to do that every day. But for the Christian, you see, this world has nothing to offer us. Absolutely nothing. We are aliens here. We're foreigners. We're exiles. As Peter exhorts us in 1 Peter two eleven. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Instead, believers ought to be, as God's word says in 2 Peter 3.13, we're to be looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Mm. As Christians, we must seek to be discerning about the things with which this sinful world entices us so that we do not stumble and find ourselves drifting away from following Christ. And to follow Christ means that we love him with all our heart. We love him with all our mind we love him with all our strength and that we are diligent in distancing ourselves from worldly people and things that strive to pollute our minds and hearts with ungodly thoughts and temptations. And that we daily immerse ourselves in the study of the word of God so that our hearts and minds remain as the apostle James says in James one twenty seven, so that our hearts and minds remain unstained by the world.
1: That's good. I
0: love that verse in James one twenty seven. We're exhorted to, believers are exhorted to remain unstained by the world. And we can do that. We can do that. To your point, Omaha, the power of the gospel, the Holy Spirit within us, empowers us to abstain from sin. Absolutely. No, we won't remain sinless, Mm -hmm. perfectly. Mm Mm-hmm. But we can, as R.C. Sproul Jr. said, we can sin less. Mm. And you do that primarily by denying yourself. Luke 9, 23, deny yourself, brother. Deny yourself, sister. And instead, take up the cross of Christ. Take up the cross of Christ and live for him. And to that end, I want to end here with quoting John MacArthur, I want to quote John MacArthur from his book, Think Biblically, Recovering a Christian Worldview, which I highly recommend if you don't have this in your collection. Please pick up John MacArthur's book, Think Biblically. It's absolutely excellent. MacArthur says this, and I'll close. The mind of Christ is the consummate mind of God, omniscient, supreme, and without any insufficiency. All the church needs to understand any problem, any meet or any and meet any need. All the church needs to understand any problem to understand any problem, meet any need, or unravel any issue, is the mind of God, and the mind of God is revealed to us in Scripture in a way that is adequate for all our spiritual needs. Mm. I want to read that one more time, Omaha. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: MacArthur says this. The mind of Christ is the consummate mind of God, omniscient, supreme, and without any insufficiency. All the church needs to understand any problem, meet any need, or unravel any issue is the mind of God. And the mind of God is revealed to us in Scripture in a way that is adequate for all our spiritual needs. That's good. Do not love the world, brother. Do not love the world, for this world is passing away. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that wraps another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. Join us next week. Grab your elect standard version and join <laughs> me next week. <laughs> I had to get that in. Join me you next better get week. In it.
0: You better get, get it in, and in and because it. I got 51 cool, more weeks girl. with you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> join me next week for another edition of the just thinking podcast god bless